right into our lesson today. Amen. For those that maybe this is your first time in our Sunday school class. Amen. Praise the Lord for the Allen family. Amen. Brother and sister Allen's family that are here from Virginia, right? The great state of Virginia. They've got to be great people because they're from Virginia. Amen. Amen. Lynchburg, correct? All right. Amen. Well, welcome. We're glad that you are here and part of our services today. Well, over the last few weeks, we have uh, been on a journey talking about uh, the five love languages uh, of children. Uh, I pray that you have enjoyed it. I know that I have. Uh, I want to kind of go back um, just to talk about why we are, are, are talking about this particular subject. Uh, late last year and early into this year, uh, Pastor Corner began to share with me and others uh, his vision and, and some of the things that he wants to see uh, from this church and, and what we want to do for the Lord. And, and out of those meetings, we talked about, you know, building God's church. You know, uh, we know that the Lord is the one that's going to build the church. Amen. But we want to make sure we provide him material to use. And one of the ways of doing that is building people. And we felt it was appropriate that we started in our own homes and with our own children. And, and, and if you see the, uh, the advertisement that we started with, you see the little, little men with the little building blocks. And that's what this is about. We want to build our children. We want to build them uh, in relationship with one another, with us, and also ultimately with the Lord so that the Lord will use them. Uh, in ministry. And so throughout the course of this year, we're going to be talking about uh, things in life that will help build us, that will help build our families in, in many different areas. Uh, we eventually, we're going to talk about uh, health, uh, how we can be healthy and uh, living for the Lord. Uh, we also want to talk about finances. Those are important areas. Uh, it takes finances to do some of the things that we want to do here on earth and so all of these things the purpose of those things is to ultimately see uh, the kingdom of God built it's interesting um, and I know there are a lot of us in here that uh, we don't have small children uh, anymore uh, but we do some of us have grandchildren uh, we have adult children uh, but I found that this this book talking about the five love languages of children uh, not only helped me with my adult children, uh, but with my grandchildren, but with my other relationships. And, and I pray that you have gained something out of this uh, that has helped you in all of your relationships. And so I've been thinking about, um, you know, what's the next lesson? What's the next series? And, and I'm praying and, and, and counseling with the pastor to see what the next direction we're going to go in. But I, I noticed in the back of his book, he has another book written called Growing Up Social. Growing Up Social. And the subtitle is, is Raising Relational Kids in a Screen-Driven World. In a screen-driven world. What do I mean by screen? And we talked a little bit about that in one of our classes. You know, the computers iPads and cell phones you know our kids my five-year-old grandson and me and my wife had a discussion last week he he's very adept at breaking the passwords and getting into all of his little videos and little games 
but we want our children to grow up social. And this will hinder us from being social. So those are some of the things that we're looking uh, to possibly teach on over the next uh, few months. If you have your Bible, this, this week we're going to be talking about, anybody remember the, the last love language that we're going to talk about, the fifth? We talked about gifts last week. We talked about quality time. What else? Talked about words of affirmation. Talked about physical touch. So the last one is acts of service. Yes, we're going to be talking about acts of service. What does the Bible say about acts of service? You can, you can go throughout uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and you can find examples of acts of service. And so last night I said, well, I want to just get some scripture, scripture references and find some, some examples of, uh, of acts of service. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to uh, the book of Acts, chapter 20, and we have about uh, four or five verses that I just want to quickly read just to kind of give you a scriptural reference to acts of service. Acts, chapter 20, verse 35. It says, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, sometimes when we talk about giving, immediately our mind goes to monetary type things. And that is a part of it, but even beyond that, the giving of ourselves to others in service, community service, all of those things uh, is supported by Scripture and things that we should do uh, for others. Turn to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 20 as well. Matthew chapter 20. We'll look at verse number 28, Matthew 20. 28, it says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. I think a part of who we are as Christians uh, should be the giving of ourselves uh, unto others. Jesus himself said he came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. We understand that he was coming to pay the price for our sins so that we could have eternal life, so that we could be restored to relationship with the Lord. But even beyond that, he gave of himself to others in service. Go over just five more chapters, Matthew chapter 25. Verse 35. It says, For I was unhungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hunger and fed thee or thirsty and gave thee drink when saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee 
And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you've done it unto one of these least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. I can stand here today and say of this church, of this people, I think we have accomplished many of the things that are found in the scripture. You look at what the Lord has allowed us to do over the last few months and all of those that have been sick, those that have been shut in, Rosie over here, the church, the ladies have gathered together and, and done things for and done things for her family. Think about Sister Sally, Sister Nicole. Amen. I commend you for the things that, that you have done. And it's not for, for show, but it's just because of the love that God has placed in you and we have been able to share it. And I believe because of that, the Lord's going to bless you as individuals and also this church. Amen. Look at Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Very familiar scripture, and we also, we use this a lot of time when we're trying to convince people about baptism in his name. It says, and whosoever and whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And then last verse, go back to Mark. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Verse 44. Chapter 10, verse 44. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest, shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And so we can see in all of the scriptures that we have read, uh, the example of the Lord and the giving of ourselves uh, in ministry uh, to others. And so when we talk about the acts of service, you know, this particular uh, love language is, is closely re related to the love language that we talked about last week, uh, and that was the love language of gifts. Um, as I begin to read this chapter, it opens up uh, with a young man by the name of Jacob. Jacob began to share with the counselors uh, about some of his childhood memories and his parents and the things that they, they've done for him. And, and Jacob... Uh, told the counselors he can remember his parents and how they worked so hard to to help them and to help him in, in everything that he was doing in life. They would get up early on Saturday mornings and they would, even though they had worked all week, they would get up and help him and take him to his, his games and, and they would help him with his homework. All of the things that his parents did for him, these were some of the things that, that kind of stuck out to him. And he said it was not just the big things, but it was the little things also that caused him to, uh, to be mindful of the love that his parents had for him. And so, you know, for, for many, uh, when, when you think about Jacob, when I thought about him and, and how he would remember uh, his, child, I mean his, his childhood and, and the things that his parents did for him, one of the comments that he made, he says, I want to be able to do the same thing for my children when they're born. And so 
It is important for us to understand the love that we share to our children and the effect that it will have on them. One of the things that we've been talking about the last few weeks is the, doing what? Keeping their love tanks full. Remember I said we have to be mindful of it. We have to be thoughtful of it. We have to think about communicating to our children uh, in the language of love in which they receive. How many of you remember when uh, maybe your wife came home and said, I'm pregnant? Remember the excitement? Most of us were probably excited uh, the first time we, we found out that we we're going to have a little one. And we thought about all of the wonderful things that we can do uh, for those children. But then all of a sudden, for some of us, we thought about a lifetime of effort and work and things that we were going to have to do in order to provide uh, for our children. Parenting is a service-oriented vocation. When you have a child, you're going to put in some time. You're going to put in some work. You're going to put in some effort. And when you stop and think about it, especially when they're small, you've got to think, this is going to go on for at least 18 years. It does. It goes on forever. But many of us, we think, okay, well, we get them to 18, we get them out in college, and they get up. I can tell I'm in a class full of people that have adult children because it is a lifetime. Now we prepare them to once they become adults to be self-sufficient, to be independent, to do all of those things to make them healthy, mature adults. But we also know, especially those of us that have adult children, is that it is a lifetime. You never stop a parent and it is a lifetime of service and so when you go into that you got to be mindful your role changes it goes to advisor and hopefully your kids will come to you for advice but if you're gonna be nagging and preaching at them chances are they're not gonna come so your role changes as advisor sometimes we don't like the choices they make it's not your responsibility now. Always pray. Always pray for your kids. But you go to an advisor. And that's so important. Especially after they get married. Butt out. Hey, and if they come to you for advice, then give advice. You know, my mom had four boys. And I think she, she's always done a very good job when it comes to us as adults, adult males that are married, and, uh, and you know, some people, when it comes to that uh, son-in-law, daughter-in-law, mother-in-law, father-in-law relationship, it becomes sometimes a balancing act. But as they become adults, as they move into those marital relationships, we have to understand our role. It changes over the years even when they're small, and we'll talk a little bit about it today in, in, in developing, because this love language is one that not only do we communicate so that they can feel love, but it is also a love language that we want them to emulate. When we talk about 
the verses that we read and, and, and the acts of service that the Lord uh, provided to his people. We want our children to grow up and to become uh, Christians that are involved in acts of service. And one of the ways that we do that is to model acts of service. And so whether you like it or not, being a parent and showing acts of service to your children, it is a lifetime commitment. Now those acts of service will change over the course of the years. Uh, your role will change as a, a parent, uh, but you will always and you will never cease uh, being a parent to your child. And so as, as we all know, for those of us that have children maybe ranging from infant stage up to 18, 19, 20, those that may have gone off to college. Um, it is a lifetime uh, of service, it's a lifetime uh, of, of giving love to your children. One of the things that I have discovered uh, is that giving love and showing love to our children in acts of service can be both physically and emotionally draining. And so it is important for us in communicating love to our children that we take care of ourselves, both physically and emotionally. It is important. And so by this, uh, these things being uh, uh, demanding on us, we have to take care of our physical needs. We need to take care of our physical health. health. We need to ensure that we get the proper rest, eating, exercising, all of those things. How many of you remember, I know my children, my oldest daughter when she was born, uh, probably the first, I know the first 15 months of her life, she may have slept all night, two nights maybe. She was up probably every two hours. I know the first couple of months, every two hours she was up and crying, wanting the bottle. She loved the pacifier. I don't know if you've ever seen a little cartoon with a little girl with pacifier in her mouth, the big huge pacifier, that was my oldest daughter. And so she would sleep at night, the pacifier came out of her mouth, she would scream bloody murder. And because we were brand new parents and we wanted to, you know, show love to our children through acts of service, we would get up, get out of the bed, walk in there, put the pacifier in her mouth, pat her back to sleep. We did that for a long time, acts of service. But what happens over the time? That becomes physically demanding. And so we have to ensure that we, we take care of ourselves. Now, emotionally is another area that is so important. You know, we can take care of ourselves physically, but sometimes the emotional needs uh, of parents can be neglected. And so one of the important things that I've found is, is that uh, emotional supportive relationships in a family are important in raising kids. You know, I believe it is God's design for uh, children to be raised in, in a home with mother and father. Now we understand that that's not always the case. And so we have a particular chapter here that we're gonna cover in the next few weeks that talks about single parenting homes and, 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 and the importance of single parents, not only to take care of themselves physically, but also Emotionally, even more so in single parent homes, those that are raising children need to have an emotional support system, somebody that can help them and encourage them 
during those times of difficulties. I know me and my wife have been able to support each other during difficult times in, in raising our children. And so it's been a help. And so for those that are of a single parent home, they need to have and develop a support system that will help them uh, during those particular times. And so, yes, sir. I just uh, thought it was also important to say that uh, even as a single parent in, in getting uh, emotional or, or, uh, support like that is, a, is not a sign of weakness. Uh, sometimes we won't uh, ask for help because we might think that now people think that we're weak or incapable when it's not that at all. I believe in community, and that's what I love about our church is that we have a community. I see Brother Thompson as he reaches out to some of the young men of single-parent uh, uh, homes and, and how he interacts with them and how he encourages them and, and all of the things that he does, and he helps to support them. And so it is important that uh, we have supportive relationships so that emotionally we are able to meet the needs of our children. So as we consider the acts of service, we must ask ourselves, who do I serve? Who do I serve? Who do I serve? Not only in a family do you serve your children, but you have other relationships. If you're a man, you have a wife that you, you support uh, emotionally, you serve them. And if you're a woman and have a husband, there are acts of service that are performed between one another. Uh, I have seen homes, I have experienced homes where there have been those, maybe it's a wife, and, and, and all of the service that she has is given to the children. And she wants to take care of the children, make sure everything is, is, is right, and there's nothing out of line, and yet at the same time, her husband or other relationships, they suffer. I have seen in, on the other side where maybe a wife is, is so supportive of the husband and all of his needs and all of the things that he desires and all the things that he wants that the children are neglected. And, and, and so, but it takes uh, uh, us asking ourselves and being cognitive of is that we have to support one another. We have to make sure that we, we perform acts of service for our children. We have to perform acts of service for our spouses. And then we also have to keep ourselves both physically and emotionally whole so that our family will be able to uh, be the family that God would have us to be. And so uh, making time for your marital relationships is as essential as having a relationship with your children. If you're a single parent, uh, it is even more important to keep yourself both physically and emotionally healthy. And we'll be talking about that uh, maybe in two weeks. We'll be talking about uh, single-parent homes and, and what to do. Next week, we're going to talk about how to recognize your child's love language. And so when we talk about acts of service, we want to do what's best for our children. And sometimes the acts that we, we give to our children, we want to do it for them because we love them, because we want the best for them. It is important, though, when we do things for our children that we have their best interest at heart. 
And of course, most parents will go, well, what do you mean? Everything I do for them has their best interest in heart. Why are you shaking your head, sister? A lot of times we do, well, not a lot, but <clears throat> sometimes we do things for our children to help them avoid pain when they really need to feel the pain in order to learn and grow as an adult into a, a productive adult. So, so sometimes we try to protect them from the consequences of decisions that they may be making. I think especially when they become adults, if we're not careful, or they're, they're making that transition from being a, a, a young adult to an adult, and they have the capability to, to make a decision uh, on their own and what do we we fight hard to try to keep them from making those decisions because we understand the consequences that's the time when the advisory role steps in and we provide them the advice and the counsel that we know and then it's up to them to make the right choices and so but but here's one for for young children so my grandson and I use him as an example all the time he would eat Little Caesars $5 pizzas every day if you allowed him. Pick him up from, Sunday, um, from, from school. What do you want to eat? Pizza. Now, I could be the type of grandpa and say, okay, pizza every day it is. It's quite a bit. But I understand that he has to have vegetables. But what's best for him? A veggie pizza. Okay, we may try that. <laughs> we may try that. But if every day your child wants, you know, you could, you could fix their lunch every day and you could put their favorite candy bar in there, you know, and, and, and men, they would open up that lunch box and they would go, wow, my mom really loves me. She's giving me three candy bars. But is that the best for them? Sometimes when we put the dollar value back on the children, they start to think. So when you want pizza, do you have five dollars? No. Then <laughs> do you still want? If you have five dollars, you can have pizza. They start to change their way of thinking. That's a loaded question, there. You know they can't. <laughs> <laughs> So we should use acts of service, just like uh, the, the gifts that we give to our children. Acts of service is, is very closely related to gifts. Now, these gifts, or these love languages, rather, uh, should be girded by the other love languages. Quality time, words of affirmation, physical touch. They should be used to undergird acts of service. You know, if we're not careful, just like gifts, we can use acts of service to manipulate our children. And that's one of the things that, that we said we don't want to do. We want the things that we do for our children because eventually they'll grow into a place where they understand, well, the only reason you did this for me is because of this. Or the only reason you gave me this gift was because of this. But we want them to, to, to feel the expression of love through the gifts and the acts of service because and without 
uh, manipulation. You know, young children, uh, they desire gifts. They desire acts of service. But there comes a point in every stage of their life where they have, you have to make a transition. For example, my grandson, when he was young, he couldn't reach the little water thing on the refrigerator. And so he would say, Mama, can you give me some water? And of course, we would show him love by acts of service and we would get him some water. Well, now he's tall enough to get his own water. And so oftentimes I'll hear him at the table and he'll say, Mama, get me some water. And I'm like, no. You get up from the table and you go get your own water. And so, well, yeah, he'll say please sometimes. But he had, he, he'd gotten used to that, those acts of service. And so now we have to transition him. And so, and, and here is a teaching point for us and for our children. And so he has seen over the last few years how we have served him and expressed our love to him through service, okay? Now there comes the opportunity where we can teach him how to serve himself, how to do things for himself, how to take care of himself. And then the next phase of that is to show him how to do those things for others, acts of service. And see, when we, when we don't take them through those transitional steps, what happens? They can become self-centered, they can become egotistical and feel like, hey, you've got to do this for me because I ask you because you've always done this for me. You've always got my water. You've always laid my clothes out. You've always ironed my clothes. You've always cooked my breakfast. You've always done these things. And so now I'm 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 years old, and I still feel like you need to do those things for me because you always have. <laughs> Okay, I didn't think so. <laughs> yeah. You know, you keep getting yourself in trouble. You keep getting it. You've gone from Wednesday night to Sunday morning. So, boy. We're going to have to show some acts of service to the pastor. We may have to help him out. So. <laughs> acts of service, it's important. We as parents... We need to model uh, acts of service to our children in order to develop a lifestyle of responsibility of service to others. You know, it, this, this is a, it takes a balance here, though, uh, to be able to do that. Um, it, it, and it has to be found in, in how we take them through those stages. You know, letting our children do things that they are physically capable of, of doing is key to the development of them becoming independent and competent. I want to say that again. Allowing them to do the things that they are capable to do allows them to grow into being independent and competent. Let me, let me. Let me make up for the last comment. <laughs> but maybe allowing them to do for themselves what they can do. I mean, I remember when I was just thinking as you were teaching, you know, Kristen, you know, growing up where, you know, they can't, when they go to the bathroom, they can't take care of their own bottom, you know, 
And I remember calling my, my wife, who that was her job, and uh, mom, you know. But, but then finally, you know, they graduate, praise the Lord, doing for themselves. Um, but maybe not doing it as perfectly as you. They may not make that bed as well as you would. Clean that room as well as you would. Wipe that bottom as well as you would. But they're doing it. And that's the key. Don't be so critical just because it's not as good, good as you are. Oh, let me do it over. You know. I want to say also that I've noticed that, like Pastor Corner is saying, that when Kristen was growing up, it was Sister Corner's job to do that. But I want to express to men that it is also a part of what you can do to help your wife. Because a lot of times she may be cooking, she may be doing other things. But if you step in and say, oh, I can do this, um, it helps out and it brings balance as well. Because as you, as your kids, they go through, you'll go through seasons where you have to do certain things for them. And that's when you're not able to be as attentive to your husband. But your husband understands that. But as he lends a hand, it becomes a family affair. As far as it, you and your husband working together as a team, it promotes teamwork. Because as, as I view young couples, and it's different, there are a lot of men that step up and they do more than maybe what others do. But I have noticed that a lot of men, they will leave a lot of the caretaking to their wives. But keep in mind, men, that you build relationships with your kids as you take care of them. All the ladies are clapping. Men are like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> More work. You know, I have to be honest. I'm very guilty of, um, you know, doing everything for my child. And, you know, when I, when I humble myself and remove the pride in doing it, because I think a part of that is pride as well, you know, because you want it done, you want it done perfectly or done right, your child will also, when you listen to them, they will tell you, I can do this, and they and they can. So, in in the process of raising my daughter, you know, I've listened, and I'm like, I say, okay, and it takes everything in me, you know, sometimes to, you know, to not straighten those edges or something like that because it's the pride in me, you know, just to say, good job, you know, you're doing well. So I'm very guilty of that. I, I will say, uh, me and my wife had, had when my daughters were younger. There were, there were times, I can remember one situation where I was doing something for my daughter, and I, I don't know what it was, but all of a sudden I realized, she's old enough to do this for herself. Why am I doing this? And I had to stop. And so I found, and, and, and we have to understand our children's temperament are, are different. Some children will just allow you to do it, and they'll just meander along. My grandson, on the other hand, he's going to fight you too. I can do it. I can put my own pants on. I can put my own shoes on. I can do this. Let me do it. He will almost get upset because you won't allow him to do it. It's important to allow our children to do those things that they are capable of doing. You know, my grandson, when he was two, two years old, he couldn't make his bed. But he's at the age now where he can start learning how to make his bed. That, that starts when, when they start walking. They, 
when they start walking, I, I would watch them. I said, now you're on your own. Because when they start walking, they know when they get tired, they'll sit down and they'll rest, then they'll go again. But the lazy one and ask you to help them, and they get used to it. They grow up lazy like that. And anything they can't do, We have to challenge our children. Having adult children, I can honestly say that I did too much for my kids. So now that I see them as adults, I mean, I would literally talk for them, think for them, talk for them. So I can concur with Sister Tina. I handicapped them to a certain extent. And it's to the point sometimes where they will ask me a question. And I think to myself, why are you asking me that? You should know. What sock to wear? <laughs> but I have to think back on the way that I just did everything for them, which was my own doing. So I am a little bit more patient because at first I'm like, don't ask me that. You should know. But I did that, so I'm trying to slowly be patient with them and undo it. There is still hope. It, it, yeah, it is. It's therapeutic, this session, for me and my wife. <laughs> I'll give you a quick story. We're running out of time. But I can remember when my daughters were young. I'm going to tell this story. And they would forget to do something. Maybe they didn't put the clothes in the dirty clothes or they didn't clean up their room or something. And they would be in the bed. My thought was, wake them up. Get up. And, go, and she was like, no, 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 I, I'll do it for them. But there, was a, but there was a price to be paid with that. So we're being a little transparent. But, but there is hope. And, 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 and so it's, 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 uh, it's good for us to allow them to do things that they are capable of doing. And, and even in those times where maybe they don't do it, like Pastor said, as well as you think it should be done. Allow them and then, you know, let them know how proud you are of their accomplishment and the things uh, that they have done. Amen. So let me move on. We stayed on that a little bit uh, longer than I expected. But, uh, you know, we said uh, steps to teaching children the acts of service. We talked about serving our children and then teaching them how to serve themselves. But then we also talked about teaching them how to serve others. It is very important that we teach them how to serve others. Um, I, I want to share one last story from the book, and we're running out of time. Um, there was a, um, and I forget the, the name of the father in the book, but he had a couple of sons. Uh, and in, in each one of the chapters, the author gives an example of somebody that attended one of his seminars. And so this particular couple that attended his seminar, uh, they were a very, uh, how could I say it? They were those types of people that felt that you should pull yourself up by your bootstraps, that you could do things, you could work through things. And they taught their two young sons to be the same way, to be very independent. They, they rarely helped them with anything. They were from, I believe, Colorado. and They were the outdoorsman type people. They would, you know, encourage their, their, their sons to go out into the 
to the, the, the woods and, and live off the land and all of those different things that, that come along with that. And so during, after the seminar, this couple began to talk with uh, Gary Chapman. And uh, the, the husband said, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily agree that acts of service is a love language. And um, he says, I think you ought to teach children how to be independent, how to be able to do things for themselves. You shouldn't have to do things for them. And so, you know, there started a dialogue between uh, Mr. Chapman and this man. And one of the intriguing things that he asked this man was, you know, do you know if your sons feel love from you? Of course, this man, as we all do, of course they do. And so he challenged him. He says, well, I want you to ask them, do you feel love from me? And I want you to tell them to be straightforward with you, to tell you the truth. And so he, um, it was, it was kind of tough. This man didn't know if he really wanted to do that. I don't know if it was because he didn't want to hear the answer or he just felt uncomfortable with that kind of communication. But eventually, about uh, several months later, he was with his youngest son, and he began to, to talk with him, and he began to, to share with him. And he told his youngest son, I've got a question I want to ask you. He says, uh, it may be awkward, uh, but I want you to be truthful with me. I want you to tell me really how you feel. And he asked the youngest son, he says, do you, do you feel like I love you? And the, and the young son said, well, of course, Dad. You know, I, I, I know you love me. And he, he asked him why. And he says, because, you know, we spend time with each other. We go out into the woods. You take time with me. You talk to me. And, and so it's, it, I, I know that. It was because of quality time. He spent quality time with his son. But the oldest son, he went, and, and it took him several weeks uh, before he talked to the oldest son. And he began to ask him the same type of questions. And there was a, a hesitance in the answer of the oldest son. And so it kind of concerned the dad, but he, he waited patiently and he told his son, go ahead and, and be truthful and tell me how you really feel. And, the, and the, this is the oldest son's uh, reply. He says, dad, I know you love me, but I don't always feel like you love me. This took the father back and he was surprised at the response of his son. And so as the conversation went on, he asked him, why do you feel that way? He says, well, well Dad, you know, he gave him three specific incidents that was ingrained in his son's mind. He says, I remember the time they had, they had a lot of land, and I was on the bottom uh, 40 acres, and a fire broke out, and I was trying to put that fire out. And, and I couldn't control it. Me and my brother was working to try to put it out, and, and I... I sent for you. I told my brother to go get you because we couldn't get this fire out. And my brother came back and said, he, he said, you said, I know you can do it. I'm not coming. You can take care of it by yourself. And so it, it, it troubled him. Uh, there was another incident where uh, he said when he was eight years old, he's going back probably nine years. He was about 17 years old. He says, the time that I was trying to get through my algebra homework, and I just, I couldn't get it. I didn't understand it. But I tried to get you to help me, and you wouldn't help me. He says, oh, I know you're smart enough to, to figure it out on your own. Do it yourself. And then the last thing, he said, I remember me and my brother had a wagon stuck, and we needed your help. We knew we could get it, but we wanted you to help us. And you wouldn't come. And all of a sudden, the father figured out that this oldest son's love language was the very one that he felt like 
is not a love language at all. Acts of service. And so he apologized to his son and he told him, he says, if, you, if, if there's ever an opportunity for me to make amends, please give me that opportunity. And sure enough, just several weeks later, they had another situation. They were out in the woods, him and his brother. They got stuck. They sent for his dad. And when the younger brother went to get the dad, now he knows his dad. He knows he's not going to come, but he's going to do it anyway. And so he went and he asked me, he says, Dad, we've got this wagon stuff. We need your help. And to his amazement and surprise, his dad saddled up his horse and went to help his brother. They got the wagon out, and the dad hugged the oldest son and said, thank you for this opportunity. The young son thought, wow, what is going on here? But his dad learned something. Both of his sons raised in the same house. They had two different love languages. He raised them the same. He did not understand that that oldest son, his love language was acts of service. I'm over time with so many more notes to go, but I wanted to leave you with that story so that you understand that all of our children, whether they're young, grandchildren, all of our relationships, there is a love language that's communicated between people. And we want to make sure that we can communicate in those languages of love so that people will receive it. Amen? Let's all stand. Amen. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you today for the love language called acts of service. We want to, Lord, not only serve you, but we want to serve others through the power of the Holy Ghost to communicate your love to us. We bless you. Bless the remaining of this day and the service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.